do, do you think that like there's a mess there's like a lesson there for like a lot of young coaches and trainers even like myself you guys are all older than me um like for people wanting or considering opening up their own facility one day like is that a lesson there you know like get many many years in five to ten years in first i think i think you, it can go either way because we've seen it go the other way as well yeah. i guess for yeah. the you know, we're, we're conservative in nature. Um, the way we run our business has kind of been quite conservative this whole time um, with the idea of just mitigating risk. Um, so I think if someone has that kind of style of you know, running their business, then yeah, it's definitely the safer way to do it. Like, don't get me wrong, there's people that have swung for the fences and it's worked out, but I'd like to see, you know, how many people it hasn't worked out for as well. Because even just the lessons learned on how to operate a business, um, you know, the mistakes we've made, the money we've lost, like it's a lot, but not a, you know, a, a enough to cripple us. Yeah. Um, we've definitely come out of that with a lot of lessons, a lot of things that we know, or just skills that you can transfer to something like running a big facility, you know, with conversations we've had with people who run businesses now, where, you know, we're like, well, we, you know, we think like this and I can't believe they did that and they haven't done this and they haven't moved this way. So it just gives us a, a bit more confidence that, you know, we've taken the time and done the due diligence to, to make this work. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of molded in a way that's fulfilling for us and, you know, puts out our message and, you know, that the, I guess the under, the underlying why to how we, you know, why we do things. So it can, yeah. I can do it either way. I think it also depends on what your motives are for opening the gym. Mm. Like that probably I, I would say the number one reason we're opening a gym is because Jason, and I want one. And then the number two reason is because it feeds the rest of our business. And then the number three reason is the gym itself, like to, as, as a business venture. So like, we're not, not really opening a facility to try and make bank. It's like, it'll feed everything else that we do and make everything else really successful. And it'll give Jason and I an opportunity and the rest of the team to be in a room more often, do more stuff. Um, we can then control like, like, as you know, we've tried to do like cert fours and stuff in the past and it's trying to get a facility and it's trying to get this and nothing's how you want it. It's like, no, nah, we want a fucking classroom. We want to be able to do stuff whenever we want. We want to grab our media guy and go film a high quality video whenever we want. Like all of that stuff plays as big a role rather than like we want to buy ourselves a really expensive job and have to work 50 hours a week to in the gym, if that makes sense. It's not really our, our goal outcome with it either. So I think, yeah, it depends what your motives are. Like I know Aaron's run studios and stuff before where it would more just be like you opened the studio and you were there to coach and that was your thing. Yeah, they were the good old days. <laughs> yeah, but I think you would agree like comparatively to online is probably a better way to make money. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, online you get a broader market, don't get me wrong, especially now with social media and whatnot. But yeah, like when I first opened the studio, like Instagram, I don't think it was even around or it just came out. So yeah, <laughs> it was a word of mouth type scenario. It still is mostly, but it was a very different time. All right, boys, I love this because it's kind of like an organic conversation that has come from just pure interest and curiosity, but um, just to we're live now guys uh so we'll take questions from people as we go um if, if they so choose um but uh, i guess the first place i want to start with is the the 
most topical thing on everybody's mind is how have you guys all adjusted to all these restrictions and the recent announcement by, by our premier, for example, you know, we're in this for another three weeks, gyms won't open, but, um, and how are you guys finding your opportunity within this adversity that you think other people could take? Do you want to go first, Ben? Yeah, I guess we'll speak to STC fit as a whole. Um, I guess we just got on it much earlier than I think most people did. We got ahead of it. We prefaced our clients that there's a pretty high potential that gyms are going to close. We have home workouts and stuff in place. Jason and I had, had written them. We were talking about them with our clients all the time. We were filming them, um, making it really obvious that we were putting stuff together to make sure they were taken care of. So then when the transition happened, we only really lost people who genuinely went into financial hardship, um, which meant we sustained a large portion of our business. And then because we were so ready, um, we were then able to actually start like looking for new business. Um, and, our, and the online side of our business is probably actually growing faster now than it ever has. Um, I think the, the other consideration there is even our face-to-face sessions are based on an online platform so like there's an online check-in there's nutrition is online the programs is all online so everyone's kind of used to this um online coaching with face-to-face sessions type of a model. and i'm going to interrupt you because i think that's a system that i've tried to refine myself as a coach um being self-employed and also working under another business is incorporating that online integrated with in person and i found that five years into this i'm like i finally found it i finally found the system that makes sense financially to give value the most effective way incorporating a weekly check-in like it sounds like you do too they send me videos as well so when the in if something happens to in person as coaches we're not crippled because and they can still get a service that is a lower price barrier we got somewhere to move and I felt like, because I felt quite strongly, I wanted, to, I wanted to mention that. Do you think that that is the system and model that every coach needs to find in their own way? And you can all speak on this. I definitely think it's a, a good model to work to if you work with a large volume of clients and you may not, they may not be in a position to have a high amount of frequency with you as the coach. Now, there's so many times I go across the years because you know, the internet has evolved, social media has evolved, all the systems and everything has evolved, which has been awesome. I remember like one time, I think Ben and I were talking years ago and I was like, I just don't get enough conversation about what I need to in a session. And it'd be really nice to have an opportunity to review the things that I need to review externally to the session and, you know, have that session to just go over all the stuff that's training related and every other variable is taken care of somewhere else. Um, So I think that that's, when you look at it from a results perspective, interpretation, you know, service to the client, you know, all the things that we get hired to do as coaches, it's a much more efficient model. Takes a little bit more time, but you've just got to factor that into your business model. Um, And then what it also does is like you said before, just if, and when you need to be removed from that situation, because there's times when like you kind of don't, you almost like outgrow your position as the coach. Like they, they don't need you anymore for that specific one-on-one in some instances. And you can just remove yourself from that and go, right, well, I've take, I've gotten you to a point where you're 
sufficient enough in training, I'm taking myself away, but the service is still there, the programming is still there, the accountability is still there. Um, or if the government decides to just close the doors, then you also have the ability to pivot. Exactly. Which a lot of people probably didn't get to do. And their business yeah. suffered from it. I probably took the extreme end of that. And over, I would say probably three years, I started to develop this like hybrid model of all the online facilitation plus one-on-one -on -one sessions. Just kept refining it and refining it and refining it until I got to the point where I wasn't actually fulfilled by my one-on-one -on -one training anymore because I'd made myself redundant. It was mm -hmm. like I already, my check-in was process was good enough. I already knew what was going on with the client. It was just kind of like most of the people I worked with by that stage were really um, proficient with their training. So it was almost like I was starting to spectate, ses spectate sessions. And I was like, all right, there's other stuff for me that I can be putting my time into. So I stepped out of the gym completely and just went fully online at that point. Um, last July, I think, but same thing. It took me three years to really get it right, to be confident enough to be like, all right, I'm, I'm stepping out. You guys can do all this just via the online method now. Yeah, and I was quite fortunate. I was working at result-based training as an employee, having an income while building my online business. So having that, I mean, just working extra hours, really, I think we all know what it's like working all those free hours where I got quite lucky and was still getting paid some sort of wage. So it made it a lot easier for me to transition online completely. I still do, well, I was doing one-on-ones, but I only take special cases for one-on-ones now. So I'm pretty picky with my one-on-ones and everyone's just basically online. So I'm pretty lucky in that sense. So you've all been able to adjust and pivot pretty well, it sounds like, and thrive all in your own ways in this scenario. Um, but for example, like Ben and Jason, you guys are, you know, I've got opening up this new facility. How do you, and this is for, for all of you really, like but for some it's easier than others, but how do you guys specifically with all this uh, trying to open up a new gym, find time to, to stay on top of training on top of all your goals in your life, your, you know, your family, like, how do you guys prioritize the day-to-day? -day? Think of it like a sequence of dials. Yeah. And one, if one dial gets turned up, the unfortunate thing is that other dials have to get turned down. And there's times when you need to recognize that a certain dial needs to get turned down and one gets turned up or you've got a wife and she tells you. Um, so <laughs> you just need to be, I think it's important to understand that and even those people that you affect in your inner circle, you know, they need to be understanding of like what you're trying to do from your business, from your training um, and all those things. But you also need to be respective to them as well, that it's like, you can't just like, you know, not socialize with someone or not be a partner or whatever, just because you're trying to make it, um, you know, as a, as a businessman or a coach or an athlete or whatever. So it's, a, to be honest, it's like a really fine, uh, balance uh, it's something that we do struggle with a lot Ben knows every 12 weeks I need a holiday because I burn myself out a fair bit you know coaching you know education running the business moving forward with projects um, but it's a big challenge and I think that the more you do it you just accept that something needs more focus right now so you got to spin that plate just a little bit faster um, and then the reality of it is that you know your training might take a big hit or your social life might um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm not going to go out and say that it's easy because it's something I still struggle with now. Yeah. I think, um, a big part of it is like, when you talk about those dials, it's like, what's your minimum on those dials for each one. So like 
what's your minimum commitment to training? Like where's the lowest you're going to allow that to fall? So for me, that's like, I still have to get all of my sessions in. They might not be like balls to the wall like they always are, but they're going to, the work's going to get done. Um, and the communication, like Jay said, with people around you, that includes like, if you have a coach, your coach, um, friends, family, those types of things. It's like, hey, shit's real busy right now. Um, I'm focused on this thing. Um, and then being aware of like giving yourself usually a deadline as well as when that dial is going to be turned back up and the like the work dial will get turned down or whatever. Um, but I think for anyone that's watching, if it kind of sounds like, oh, it's a bit fluffy, like fucking talking about dials and shits, like it, it'll happen to you anyway, whether you like it or not. But I can guarantee everyone's been in a position where they felt anxious or stressed or overwhelmed because they thought they should have been doing more shit in other places. So when you're like, work's really busy, fuck my training slipping. I hate myself because I'm not training well enough and I'm neglecting my partner and my friends or whatever. If you have the self-awareness to go, all right, the next three weeks of work are going to be really busy because I've got this project. Um, I understand how that's going to affect everything else and you're self-aware of it enough. It tends to bring down all that anxiety and stress because you're kind of at least aware of what's going on and you've made it a conscious decision rather than just like reacting day to day on what's going on. Yeah, that was it's funny. I was actually having this conversation on the weekend with a friend of mine and it was more so one having, I think the support network around is big for that. So I'm like, I'm lucky I've got these two guys with me. So having the, you know, four or five closest guys and girls, Jim, that's my life. Hugs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting very lonely over there, Jace. <laughs> it's so long, man. I told you. <laughs> so it makes it a lot easier. I bounce ideas off these guys. They come to me and bounce ideas off me. So it makes the, the focus for work a lot easier. And then when it comes to training, it's more so if it's a priority at that time. So like Ben said, there'll be times where, you know, if I, if I need to train because it's more for my, my mental health, if it's, you know, my outlet, then there's a, it's a non-negotiable effectively. It's like, okay, everything's going to be based around training for that particular day. But also focusing on, you know, a few things and getting them done and not having too many things scattered all over the place and doing 50% of, you know, 10 things versus doing 100% of five, I think is the biggest one. And that was probably one of the biggest lessons I learned over the years. Trying to do too much made me more stressed. <laughs> doing one or two things at a time and getting them done made me way less stressed. The last thing I'd probably add to all that is just hanging out with people that just do things like you do um, maybe on a bigger scale. If you get the opportunity, it's just like something super valuable and like just hanging out with people that like maybe a couple of steps ahead of you just in your journey as you just see how they take pressure. You see how they handle their business. You see how they handle their week. And if you're fortunate enough and like in a lot of cases, like, it's, it's going to be pretty rare for someone to just, you just to be befriend someone in that situation. Like we've had to put ourselves out there. We've paid for people's time. Like we understand the value of that. And like, you just get amongst people where you can and yeah, just like, you know, improve the, the average of those, you know, people that you hang around. And, you know, even if you just take that to the five people in business that you hang around or, you know, athletes wise or whatever, it's like, it just ups your standard, it gives you an idea of like what the next step is for you. Yeah. If you, if you don't have access to it, in terms of who you know in your circle, um, listen to it, read it, watch yeah. it, yeah. just like immerse yourself in it with other people. Like there's so much free shit around. Yeah. 
it is yeah it's so easy to make like you the reference jace made there is like you're a reflection of the five people you spend the most time with you can spend the most time with audiobooks and podcasts that's what i'm fucking that's i'm so glad you said that i know you're both alluding to it it's so fucking true because that everybody thinks that it just has to be in person Mm. and it doesn't like you like let's go let's let's go real let's go real deep all right maybe you don't have a father maybe you don't have a mother Maybe, maybe you're adopted. Maybe you're growing up in really bad scenarios, wherever you are around the world. Like someone here is listening to that right now. Well, guess what? You got dealt some shit cards. What are you going to do with them? Okay. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. And now what you can do is look at this. Here's an example. We do this. Orphic does this every week. We have different coaches, amazing coaches from all around Australia, all around the world soon enough. And we just talk we give value but there's unlimited examples of this where all right you don't have a father in your life you don't have mentors in your life well guess what if you have an internet connection you do now like everybody like Dwayne the Rock Johnson to Joe Rogan to goddamn Dr. Ronda Patrick whoever you want and that's a beautiful beautiful thing yeah you have it you have the choice now that's what people need to understand is now more than ever we have a choice to surround ourselves with people that have a message that's that aligns with our own, you know, in terms of training, in terms of your personal life and, you know, whatever endeavors that you want. And I think sometimes people just need to, they just need to poke in the right direction. You know, they just say, you go look over here and, you know, maybe try this book out. And, and that's why, you know, we're so open now. And I think, you know, with experience, it comes to a time where you feel like you're obligated to give back. And we've definitely in the last, you know, three to five years has gone right. It's time to give back. And it's part the the podcast and, you know, doing this and our workshops and all that is part of giving people an opportunity to surround themselves with like with our message and, and us to have an opportunity to connect with other people that have a similar one, like you guys. Um, and the internet is the best facilitator of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's a pretty strong message. Uh, and I've spoken about this on the podcast and publicly before. It's like, I reckon I was probably 21 and we had a speaker come in to talk to like the sales team at the time when I was in gym sales. And the, I think the quote was something along the, along, along the lines of um, the things that have happened to you aren't your fault, but they are your responsibility. Like that was enough for me in that time. I was just in the right moment to hear that. And I was like, all right. And then it was like, fuck, like, all the Malcolm Gladwell books, all the BPAC podcasts, all the Lane Norton videos, like that's all we had at the time. It was just like, fuck, just hammer. Yes, I'm old. Um, Just hammer (laughs) everything that I possibly could and just put myself in that circle because like um, I love my friends, but they were still more interested in like going to work and getting fucked up on the weekend. It was like, okay, I I need another place. If I want to go to a different level, I need to find that shit somewhere else. What's the other option? What's the alternative? Mm. Aaron, do you got, you got any thoughts on that? And these two know me exactly what they said. I'm the exact same. <laughs> they sum up better than I could ever. But it's like this idea of balance. Uh, okay, we were talking about it with like you, you early in the conversation, you guys, um, you know, how do you essentially balance training and all these priorities? And I, and I think the answer becomes, well, I don't know if, it really exists when you have really large goals and you're very ambitious. I don't know, like even within the first quarter and half of your life, when you're trying really hard to achieve and move the needle forward, 
do you think like this idea of balance needs to be reframed and like, it's not supposed to be balanced. It's supposed to be chaotic and you're supposed to sleep late and you know, shit's going to happen. You're going to get stressed, but that is part of that necessary process or no. I think the definition of balance needs to be addressed. Like you only have so much bandwidth. Mm. So you have to create balance within that bandwidth or like Jay said, you'll just burn out and become useless but where that bandwidth is directed to will be imbalanced. If you want to make continual progress, you can't sit with all of your dials as we we're talking about at the same level for long periods of time. Cause nothing will happen. Yeah. Like you need to take, if you're going to go, for example, into like um, my comp prep last year was like, there was set aside three and a half hours every four days a week. Just travel to the gym, train, travel home. It was like, that's not, usually that's not balanced for me to put aside 15 hours a week to train. <clears throat> but during that time it had to be done. So that meant that other stuff needed to take a back seat. So I had to say, Hey Jace, I'm eight weeks out. You're going to have to kind of steer the ship a little bit more. Um, so it's still balanced within like your total bandwidth. I think that's important to still consider, but it's not doing everything mediocre all the time. I think it's also, if you're looking about balance versus uh, more so like periodization. So it's, you know, if we take it from a programming perspective with a client, if you have a goal, let's say it's 16, 20 weeks and you break that big goal down into smaller goals, it's the same thing when it comes to your training, right? So, you know, instead of looking at 20 weeks away, let's look at the week ahead and the day ahead. So balance then comes on each day. So like someone for myself, I tend to look at my day and say, okay, this is the two hours or hour and a half that I'm going to train. And then everything else is going to fit in around here. Does it go to plan? 90%? Sure. That 10%, that's life. I think we're quite capable now being a bit older to accept that, you know, life will throw you a curveball every now and then. And you just got to roll with it and just deal with it on that particular day. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll add to it in my no bullshit uh, way that sometimes I think balance is a bit of a, it's a bit of a way of just like, you know, bitching out and just using it as an excuse to mm -hmm. like, you've got big goals. Um, if you're reaching for the sky, no matter what it is, it's like, fuck balance doesn't exist. You know, you have, sometimes you just need to put in a hundred percent effort where you need to for a short period of time. It's not going to, you're not going to do it forever, but if you sit there and go, Oh, but you know, life's about balance, you know, and you need to get shit done. I think that's another way of just patting yourself on the back for not getting things done. Um, so, you know, again, Ben's like Ben said, he's inter your interpretation of what, balance is, is is very important there's a lot of people that just sit there and you know go oh, well i didn't work that hard because i needed to relax and i needed to sit and watch netflix it's like well sometimes you got to work you know 70 hours in a week you know and i think that it's just there's times to work hard and then there's times to work smart and you just need to know when to do that and maybe it's a balance over a lifespan rather than a balance over a day or a week it's like, right, I work my ass off for however long I need to or work smart wherever I need to and, you know, build a future that is fulfilling and what you want to work towards rather than kind of dragging yourself out of bed all the time. Yeah. It, the popular uh, phrasing at the moment is like self-love. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so what, what is self-love? Is it avoiding your responsibilities and your commitments to make you feel better in the moment, mm. which to me is seems self-destructive to your goals and your outcomes. 
or is it like Aaron and I are going to catch up tonight? We're going to have a, a lovely scotch by the looks of it um, because both of us have achieved some things over the last three to four weeks. And it's like, yeah, let's, let's catch up and have a scotch, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to reflect on all the achievements that the hard work of the last three to four weeks have facilitated. Um, it wasn't like the first day that I did 10 hours and the job was like one third finished. I didn't then go, Oh, I deserve some self love right now. So no, 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 there's a job to do. Once that job is done, I'll feel really fulfilled. And then that's where, that's what the self love comes from is like, I feel fulfilled in the job that I've done, the achievements I've made and the outcomes of them. So yeah, I'll take a moment to appreciate that. On that, we can actually invite Jace now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, I lifted the bands. <laughs> before the band, right, so he's going to come over. To me, he's got a longer beard. I get it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all got a couple inches to go. There's, there's, I just didn't want to be like this fucking call again. The only one without a fucking beard. <laughs> and you did it. That's it. There's, there's three. Alex commented. Alex Caramuza said, uh, "Orphic, you know, there's some impressive beards in this chat." He said. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks. I thought you guys really were going to wear the glasses. I thought you guys were going to do the glasses. Yeah, I was going to do it then. Ben didn't have them on. I thought, oh, I won't do it then. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, sorry, Ben. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but you got, uh, Ben, you're talking about uh, you know, self-love and it's a great point and topic, but then there are, there are clients that we've had, we have, I, I have, that just people struggling, right? They're really struggling. And even the little things are really tough and challenging, meaning doing something productive, like moving their body on a daily basis, no matter how, like literally going outside for a five minute walk is tough, like mentally for some people eating whole foods, nutritious foods, improving their relationship with food um, in a constructive way and not having those self-destructive habits. And when they begin to achieve even a little win, how do you guys think those people who are really struggling can incorporate self-love when maybe they need a bit more of that frequent dosage of positive self-reinforcement? So I know Jace has um, some really cool stuff on positive reinforcement and stuff. So he'll speak on that as well. But for me, I'm a really big believer in pass-fail goals. Um, so setting KPIs on a daily and weekly basis to allow you to review them. And then if you... Pass, great. Can you achieve more the following week? Yes or no. If you fail assessing why, can you make adaptions to that? Or did you screw up in the goal setting process and make it too far in advance for you? So when we sit there and have this conversation, um, we're probably in a fortunate position where we've been doing this a really long time. We're quite experienced. Um, also probably a little bit obsessive in nature um, or all, at least all three of us are in that way. Once we get hold of something, it's like doing everything to the extreme. If you're in a position where, and I have a lot of clients like this as well, that maybe just eating protein four times a day is a really big challenge. It's like start with your KPI is three serves of protein a day. Then at the end of the week, you get to tick that box and say, yep, I achieved it. Or at the end of that day, and those goals start really, really small. Start with a walk, start with whatever. Um, have, deal with a lot of people that kind of have gym anxiety and stuff in the past. It's like, all I need you to do is just go and go for a walk on the treadmill. Do that for five minutes. If you still want to go home, go home. 
99% of the time people don't because once they're in there and they get that kind of thing happening then they're willing to keep going. So I think the best way to build self-confidence, which obviously kind of ties into that self-love area is to experience success mm. and to experience success. You have to set goals that you can achieve and then do that on a regular basis. And the longer you do that for your goals, just kind of chip up over time organically. Yeah. And I think like, I guess going, going on from what Ben is saying, celebrating small wins is important and not setting the bar too high. And I guess we're big believers in, in most cases with clients, especially right now in this climate, just being really understanding of where people are, are at and using um, like our model of coaching, you know, where we're you know, exploring the issues that people are having, challenging them to create the action points that they're actually capable of doing. You know, we're just sitting back making sure that we clarify what those action points are and you know, trying to get our clients to honor that, that they're going to do those action points. So at all times we're sitting back, just exploring what the person's going through and the troubles and actually getting them to decide what the action points are because the likelihood of celebrating a win is higher because they're going to tell you like, Jason, I'm going to work out three times this week. I'm going to walk for 90 minutes um, a week or something like that. So they can literally sit there and say, I am going to do this. And the next time we speak, you know, I'm going to tell you all about it. And I think from there as coaches, like we do our best to just like reinforce the behavior. And um, if you guys have looked into like James Clear's work and read Atomic Habits and well, he's got a really good model of like how to reinforce behaviors. And I think, you know, putting some form of like reward system into their daily practice is really important. And it's just like a visual you know, reward, sometimes it's, you know, we, we have like a, you just tick a box and ticking that box is the reward. And then, you know, over the week, once all the boxes are ticked, like people like that shit, you know, they like filling in the, all the boxes. They like filling their program in. They like it when they put their KPIs into their check-in and the, um, and the number goes green, you know, they don't like seeing orange and red. And if they do see orange or red, or they do see an X, it's next week, I'm going to get all the ticks next week. I'm going to get all greens. And I guess you're kind of just setting things up for these for this person on a subconscious level to want to be better. And then we're exploring, you know, what the issue is as coaches verbally with that client. And I think that's a super important thing to do, especially now more than ever. Don't get me wrong. There's times when your client needs to get shredded. And they just need to shut the fuck up and train yeah, and eat, yeah, you know, yeah, but sure. yeah, there's times when, you know, we need to you know explore things and we just want to, we just want to have those tools in the box. That's, that's the art of coaching though, isn't it? It's like what person needs the kick in the ass and what person needs the cuddle? Yeah. What person, what, at what point do you need to review the expectations that you've set and or coach them to achieve the expectations that you set? I think it's a trap that PTs fall into is like trying to make clients conform to them where there's a balance of getting the client to come to you and you to come to the client a little bit. Um, to achieve the best outcomes. That's usually where where the sweet spot is. Yeah, I think it's pretty individualized to the client as well. I think the one thing across the board that we all do is we actually speak to our clients and say, hey, what's up? <laughs> what can we do? And then actually, you know, having them involved in the process of trying to work out the plan going forward, it just gives you a bit more buy-in as well. Um, strategies that are implemented are a bit different with each client. 
for example, I've got one who's sending me <laughs> their foods every day, mm. sending me pictures of just their meals with the macro breakdown, just because um, I'm not sure if the, the tracking was correct in the last couple of weeks or what's happened, but you know, we're going to try it. We're going to throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Mm. And like, so far so good. And the client's actually admitted, Hey, this is making me more compliant. And I'm like, yeah, I thought it might. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just uh, having that chat with the client really and getting to know them and saying, Hey, okay, let's work out what we can and can't do. And then I think also understanding that some clients you will get, they're just not in your scope, especially when it comes to that mental side of things yeah. and understanding that you as a coach, you cannot help everyone yeah. as much as you'd like to, as much as why we do coaching, <laughs> there are times where we will need to refer out and there's nothing wrong with referring out and then working alongside with. I think that was a big thing a couple of years back where people didn't want to do it. And now it's a bit more accepted. Like I definitely know I've come to these two guys with, when I've had clients that have had problems, I'm like, Hey, what do you reckon? <laughs> and I've got, you know, heaps of people that I go to when I have problems with clients or I have um, <laughs> just issues that I can't figure out myself because everyone's a bit different. Everyone's going to see it a little bit differently. What's an example of that happening? You guys can all give an example if you'd like, but there are, there could be a range of things. It can be like a complex musculoskeletal injury history. It could be certain mental health problems that come from traumas that are affecting their compliance and adherence to a basic training program. What has it been for, for you, Aaron, and you other guys? Uh, for myself, it's mostly with nutrition. I don't find that my, my lifting clients are that way inclined. I'm quite lucky that I do work with mostly powerlifters, so they're pretty self-motivated as is. Um, but with some nutrition clients, they seem to have just that, that relationship with food, mm. um, whether it stems from something in their past or along those lines. So like I've come to, to Ben for just some strategies a couple of times over the years. So to work out maybe which way is best for this particular person. Um, there's been quite a few. So it's actually a real one off the top of my head. It's pretty difficult. But the one that I'm currently doing now, um, I actually got from a friend of mine in Queensland, sort of messaged him and said, hey, man, what do you reckon about doing this with the client? Like, or is it too intrusive? And he said, dude, if it gets the result, do it. <laughs> I just said, yeah, I can't argue with the logic. If you don't mind explaining, what was the thing that you were concerned was intrusive? Uh, asking them to send photos of their food. Oh, that's oh, is, my yeah, bad. Is, is that too much? Like, oh. Yeah, you know what I mean? For me, I'm, I tend to try and let them go on their own and try and educate them in the process. But sometimes it's just, hey, I need to see what you're actually doing because I don't know if what you're doing is right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had um, a client recently that after about week eight, compliance just like tanked, um, started to get into like not happy with my progress, you said this was going to happen. It's not happening. I was kind of looking at the data saying like, you're losing half a kilo to a kilo a week. You haven't tracked, you haven't hit all your workouts, haven't hit all these variables that are kind of agreed upon at the start. So I'm not really sure what more you want me to do here. Um, and it took a couple of weeks of that dialogue to, to sort of say, look, okay, so what we, we basically narrowed it down to, just the amount of data that I tend to take was a little bit overwhelming for this person and where she was in her training and nutrition. So I was like, okay, so how about you tell me three things you can do this week? And she was like, Oh, okay. I was like, like, she's like, Oh, well, I'll try and get my training in. And then the coaching comes from, well, how many sessions just give me a number. And then, okay. So what about nutrition? What are you willing to commit to? Is tracking calories too much? Should we just do portion sizes? And she was like, no, no, no. I can, I can track my calories and I can look at my protein. I just freak out about the fats and the carbs. I'm like, cool, just do that this week. So then over about four or five weeks, we actually managed to make 
just as good progress based on just three variables rather than this whole advanced like check-in sheet that I normally had. How do you know? How do you know what is good for what client? Because you guys sound like pretty comprehensive people, especially at STC. You guys are explaining your check-in and the, the green light, orange light, KPIs. You guys seem pretty thorough and comprehensive. And it's something I really implement as well because I think when we're trying to change the human body, right? We're trying to influence a whole bunch of body systems and we're trying to achieve these lofty goals, then the more, it's not just more data is better, but it's more smart data. It's data that we can use, all right? How's your stress going? What's your nutrition like? What's your body weight or or body comp going? These important criteria, they're gonna help us achieve X, Y goal at a more effective rate. However, there's people who that just, like you're giving example of, is just too much. Is it a matter of case of, you know what, you're not the right client for me? Or is it, you know what, we just got to adjust anyway. Like I'm going to work with almost anybody. Um, so I will adjust. Or is it like my standards are here and I'm not going to work with those types of clients. How do you pass the two out? Yes, there's probably two answers. Sorry, Jace. I'll no, let you okay. um, There's probably no, two answers that I would give. The biggest influence that probably from a purely coaching conversation standpoint, Um, the most powerful tool that Jason and I probably have learned in our career is called the reach model. Um, It's basically just a communication style to establish goals based on what the client deems appropriate at the time. Because I think we forget most people sort of know what to do. Like if you give them the outline of the information, they kind of know they need to manage calories, manage protein, train hard, do all that stuff. So then it's a matter of like, okay, Um, what are you willing and able to do? How are you going to facilitate that? If they don't deliver it, how come you didn't deliver that show belief in them? And then I guess establish those revisiting those goals. So it's easy enough for the guys that are watching to just like Google reach. Um, it's an acronym. Um, you'll be able to just look it up and and it'll give you a really solid walkthrough of how to approach conversations in that manner. It's so effective. Like, don't underrate it. The first time you do it, I'll give you a pre-warning. It's yeah. super fucking awkward. It's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but once you get used to it, like, you actually start doing it by accident and you do it with family and friends and stuff. You just become a better communicator in general. Yeah. And then the second part of it, and like you're saying, all four of us in here operate at a pretty high level. The data that we collate... Um, that we bring together the check-ins and stuff we do is it's pretty in depth. Um, our, our group chat between the three of us bounces around between biomechanics, physics, physiology, biology, just like all over the place all the time. Um, and they're the conversations that we have for fun. So like when it comes, when it comes to the client, it's like, okay, who, who are you going to work with? So for example, that client that um, I ended up down to just like three metrics during that conversation, I was kind of like, look, to be totally honest, you might actually be better off with paying a face-to-face trainer what you pay me to just go in and train once a week and just work on this stuff with them because you're not using my skill set. Like, if I understand if you like and trust me and we have a relationship and that's what you're here for, that's great. I'll give you 110% of what I can within this space. But at the same time, most of the people I worked with have an athletic mindset and the ability to 
early on in your career. And I know obviously Orphic is a, is an education kind of platform. So just contextually, I'm thinking most people are going to be earlier in their career. Mm. They need to train everyone. Yes. And in my opinion, and you will need to get good at training everyone, which is where things like the reach model and taking those three steps to the client rather than making them come all the way to you is going to be really valuable. And then once you're in a position where you're comfortable and then we talk, start talking about what's your message, what are you putting out on social media, what are you putting out in your gym, all of that type of stuff. In terms of niching, mine happened organically. I just found that I had 90% of my clients were in a set realm of parameters because that's who I attracted because that's what I was talking about. And that happened really naturally. So I think train everyone you can learn to train everyone build your niche organically and then you'll be really fucking good at training everybody because these guys will agree they train athletes as well i've got people that work like nine to five day jobs that have better athletic mindsets than some of my athletes it's like they hit their macros they hit their sleep they track everything day in day out they check in is perfect. It's like they're just on point all the time. They look great and they're getting exactly the outcomes that they want to. Then you have athletes that like are just maybe they're genetically gifted or maybe they're just invested in training and not nutrition and all of these other things. And it's like, okay, that coaching experience is actually really difficult because you actually have to coach them, even though they're already strong because they're just strong people to actually adhere to everything else so they can be stronger. If you can teach Jenny to squat who can't move, teaching your powerlifter how to squat better becomes a whole lot easier. Well said. Yeah, that's, yeah. You just hit the nail on the head, so. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> <laughs> My morning caffeine is Someone's honest. had lots of caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's up, he's ready to go. We'll just take off, Jason. We'll get a Do you now. even breathe <laughs> We'll just let Ben run it. See you later. Yeah. There's someone else for the next question by the sound. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think it, like, Ben took the words out of my mouth and obviously we think quite similar. It's like, you know, um, get as much experience as an early PT as possible. Work with as many people as you can. Get as many lessons as you can. The hardest clients are the ones you learn from. So, no, you know, I know it's cool to get a robot and you get lots of good before and afters, but they don't teach you anything because they did exactly everything that you know and they got the results. So, it's the person that doesn't want to come to the gym, doesn't want to do their workouts, can't squat properly, struggles with their food. You know, they're the people that you're going to have to actually go out and consult people, learn, try strategies, make mistakes. You know, I'm never going to do this again with this person, this work, this time. You know, and you just build together a repertoire and then you start to draw a line through it all and go, oh, I'd start to actually work with X, Y, and Z kind of person. And I really like to work with them. So then all of a sudden your message is working to, is to that person and then they start coming to you. So I think that's the best thing to do. A lot of new coaches want to train the athletes, the bodybuilders, the, you know, all these people. And they almost have this stubbornness to, to, to help, you know, anyone at the start and especially if you're in a health club it's probably a bit different when you're working in a smaller facility that attracts a certain type of client um but yeah just unbelievable messages and lessons we've learned from just dealing with lots and lots of people at the start yeah, yeah you just gotta earn your stripes really i think yeah. a lot of pts and coaches coming through being younger you know that early early 20s mid 20s it's like 
you're still very young in this industry. Like, go earn your stripes. Yeah. Go work with a variety of people. Go try and see and fix a whole stack of different issues because you'll learn that you don't know everything and then you need to go find out why, how, and what you can do to fix this person or fix this problem. You'll then be able to implement it and make it your own. And then you'll start to be able to refine it and make, make it your own, pass it on which I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Passing on knowledge at the end of the day, gain knowledge, <laughs> understand it, pass it on. I think, um, Aaron, you can probably speak to it a lot in terms of like just the sheer volume of like bunny years, gen pop people that you would see through RBT every day. And I know you always get asked like, well, why do you still work at RBT for like your, your strength coach? <laughs> um, and we've chatted about it, like with your experience working with that amount of people. Yeah, I like working with um, with everybody, to be honest. Uh, I like working with Gen Pop. I find it quite enjoyable. For me, the most rewarding thing is having someone that works nine to five office job hitting a goal. And it's like, you know, if it's a, a squat, if it's a deadlift, if it's a bench press, if they've dropped three kilos, whatever it is, it's more satisfying for, to, for me to see them hit their goal than it is for my powerlifter to squat 300 kilos. <laughs> so like, it's just, it hits differently. It's so like I have this conversation a lot with uh, with powerlifting coaches and they're like, oh, yeah, what have you enjoyed more when it comes to coaching? And I've, I've been quite lucky. I've coached up to the pro role level. And, you know, I've said novice comps with my lifters when they first get on the platform <laughs> and they hit that first squat and the smile on their face, worth it. That that's That's what makes me the most happy because it's like they're enjoying themselves. Getting to a high level competition, it's like, okay, they're there. They know what they need to do. It's all they, they enjoy it, it's just not the same. They're there for a purpose. Whereas you go to a novice comp, they're trying something, they're testing new waters. That's more a testament to their mental strength than anything. And then they're having fun on top. That's a win as a coach. I can't, I can't ask for anything more. Yep. I wish everybody could find that. I hope everybody finds that in their own way. That's amazing. Once you can get into that place and you can, you can find that sweet spot of like the clients that you love to work with and the moments it, there's, there's all, we all have these moments on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis that uh, really give us such fulfillment and meaning into why we continue to do this. And I think you just encapsulated a big one, Aaron. Um, yeah. Well said. Um, I actually want to do something a little bit ad hoc. If you guys are comfortable. Um, it's what we do. I don't even know what it is and I'm already in. Well, you, you got <laughs> Our life is ad hoc. <laughs> well, we'll see. First, we can either talk about it. You guys use an example of your your check-ins with your KPIs. You, you talked about this green, orange, red system. And in an effort to kind of deliver a super practical, tangible uh, model that people can learn off, could you guys either, one, whatever you're comfortable with, describe it and like what that actually looks like? Or number two, and Aaron, if you have a similar model or something you use, I'd love to hear it too. Or number two, share your screen so we can actually see an example of like, well, how do you guys actually set these KPIs? What does the green, orange, red system mean? Because now these coaches coming through, they don't have models or they need to refine their systems. Is that possible either for you guys to try out? Yeah. Jace, yeah, do you can... want, um, Jace is the whiz with this stuff. <laughs> do you want me to do the basic one, Jason, then you do the... Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we're, we're, now we're showing off our spreadsheets. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, now they're going to keep going. I'm going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Go for it. Um, and I'll, I'll bring up someone's um, yeah. 
checking. So we have two variations of our check-in sheet. Um, so Jace has an incredibly advanced one and I have like a minimum effective dose one. Yeah. Um, so while they pull it up, Aaron, is this something that, you, Oh, there it is. Yeah. There, yeah. So really straightforward, like starting measurements at the start of a program, um, finishing measurements at the end of a program, nutrition's done on average over the week. So you're just entering in what your averages were tracking body weight, waist and hip. Um, and then each time they go into train, it's as simple as like, how many hours sleep did you have? How many liters of water have you had? Mood out of 10, energy out of 10. Um, and then any session notes that I need to refer back to as well. So my guys will um, take a screenshot of that, load it up with their check-in. And that gives me enough data to then ask questions. It's like, okay, why was your mood and energy down on Wednesday? What happened? Was that an external thing? Was it the training session? Or I'm seeing it taper off over time. Uh, why is that happening? Could it be a nutrition? Could it be in volume of the program? Could it be sleep's been affected because we've, we've turned the intensity dial up too much too soon? It gives me enough data to ask all the questions that I need to answer or, or yeah, ask. Um, and it's not too overwhelming for a client who's just kind of getting into all of this space and isn't like us and doesn't necessarily want to investigate every little bit of the, the minutiae of coaching. And it's my job to do that on the back. How do you measure mood and energy? Do you have like a, a scale? Yeah, just a score out of 10. Um, so you'll find like you'll have like this is runs over a six week kind of period. You'll be able to establish like different types of personalities that will say like their moods always a seven, they're never a 10. And then you have some people that are a 10 all the time. And then when you see a seven, it's like, Oh fuck, what's wrong. Okay. Um, so you don't use a standardized kind of psychological, like, um, uh, scale or something. It is subjective to each individual. Yeah. So typically I'll like to do it, uh, post warm up. Um, so they'll do like their breathing drills and warm ups and that kind of stuff. Open their program, cool, a bang in those numbers, just to kind of avoid if you've had a shit run of traffic to get to the gym and you're flustered and in a bad mood and you enter that number, it's going to be lower. So it's kind of like once those consistent variables have have come up, how do you actually feel going into your session? And that's usually enough. Like I said, just to ask more questions. It's not the data necessarily that you need but it's enough to prompt you to then investigate. You get them to answer everything there. Cause I saw there was like waist hip measurements. Like does everybody have to do measurements? <clears throat> uh, yeah. So that's weekly. And like I said, it, it, I, the people I work with are all really comfortable in kind of operating at this level. Got they it. all track macros. They all um, are comfortable doing measurements, photos, sending videos, all that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it's, this is kind of the bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, some of our other guys in the STC fit group that work with more gen pop clients would maybe only do measurements once a phase. So every four weeks um, just to kind of focus on process and all that type of stuff. But particularly Jason, and I tend to work with a more focused client. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Jason, do you, do you have something right there? Yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, please. Right, screen number two. All right. So, um, we have, so uh, this is a little more advanced going over a few more metrics. So we have 
weekly calorie intake, which is the most important thing. Um, I've actually got a better version of this now, which goes over like grams of protein per kilogram and kilocalories per kilo body weight as well. A couple of different macro splits in case you've got, you know, the ability to cycle some calories with people for whatever reason. Uh, then we have like, you know, average steps. Um, so they're, you know, neat, I guess. So I, I don't call it neat. I call it an, um, prescription of activity because if you're prescribing steps then it's not neat um increase in fluid or sorry metrics of fluid intake uh average body weight i've got an ability to put skin folds in here so we do those periodically um because i can't put my hands on people at the moment that's pretty blank um measurements this particular client's very compliant so this gets done weekly once every they're cutting down it looks like uh at the moment we are um and as you can see here, these are those KPIs that we're talking about. So like stress, digestion, motivation, energy, hunger, mm. dietary compliance, workout performance. So I either have all of these for people or maybe I'll cut a few out if the bandwidth isn't there for people to do them all or they don't see buy-in. But as you can see, like we go back to some a time when maybe things weren't going too well. So as you can see, this patch here. It's like lots of yellows, lots of oranges, yeah. lots of reds. And Does that automatically go red and orange based on the numbers? Yeah, it's conditionally formatted. So awesome. a bit of a spreadsheet whiz um, <laughs> to a degree. Uh, as the boys know, and anyone that listens to the podcast knows that I like a spreadsheet too. Um, so yeah, it's just reinforcing positive behavior. And for me, like looking at this, you know, I might do 20 to 30 check-ins in a day. So if I go straight down to here and everything's orange and red, I'm like, you know, it just kind of gives me an extra level of an alertness for this particular client for that week. It's like, what's got, something's wrong, you know? So all of a sudden I'm like, you know, investigative mode, but green, things are lots of uh, are green and whatever. It's not like I obviously don't look at the data. It's just, you just go into a different frame of mind, yeah. um, you know, and then I've got a weekly review, which just goes over some questions about, you know, cause okay. dialogue's good. It's like, Describe your week of training. You know, what did you do with your food this week? Did you overeat? Have you, you know, done anything there? Have you identified anything that needs improvement? So this is that, you know, reach model. It's like where we've built the rapport with the relationship. We want that person to explore what's going on now. What, what are some things that we need to work on? And then I use this communicative section here and some video and stuff. If I'm not working with them directly to honor that and say, all right, well, I can't wait to see, you know, when we catch up next time or your next check-in that you're going to hit your protein by, you know, doing your meal prep and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it allows for a little bit of dialogue too. So data is great, uh, but it only gives you half the picture. Yeah. So it's good to get a bit of a dialogue on what's going on as well. So that's kind of what I have. And you can kind of trend results so you can see if someone's dropping weight, I can look at what the average calories were, can look at what the average calories were to their body weight at the time. So it just allows me like, cause I work with people who, you know, compete and do photo shoots and get super lean. It's like the way that you did that for that particular individual does give you really good information to apply it for the next time. So, and that's how I use it. That is awesome. Can, do you guys sell this for people who want to buy it? Well, or is it kind of like, you know, this is our work. We don't want to sell that. Isn't that timely? So we're actually <laughs> we're actually putting together a complete kind of system that'll put together the way we go about programming for individuals, um, taking into consideration um, the metrics that we use to obtain an amount of work for someone. 
um, their volume. So it takes in physical characteristics, strength, training age, their lifestyle, diet, sleep, all of these things, and gives them what we call a recovery score. And we add that to a baseline of volume that we've obtained from you know, very good evidence and uh, a bit of experience. And then you go either whichever direction in terms of strength, you know, physique or fat loss. Um, and so we've put all of this stuff, we're about, we're actually in the motion right now of putting all of these spreadsheets into a system where as a coach, you can tap in, create a program, have a profile for a client, do a check-in, you know, have everything all in the one spot. So that's amazing. That, that's such a useful resource because uh, I'm in. Uh, a work in progress right now. So if anyone knows any web designers um, that are, you know, really cluey with integrating spreadsheets into a software membership based site, we are looking for someone. Okay. It'll work. Oh, so. you know what? Um, Matt or Alex at Orphic might know some people. So uh, we could, we could chat later. That might be uh, something there. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Um, give all our, uh, like our programming templates a kind of similar amount of detail um as the check-ins we do give all of those both hypertrophy programming templates strength programming templates uh, both of those lifestyle trackers yeah. that you just saw um and a few other i guess templates that we use day to day in our coaches academy as well ah so um, you guys already give that away in your coaches academy yeah Correct. so we teach you the programming method and then you get the template with it yeah with those check-ins that you just showed yeah, included, yeah. Ah, so what's going to be the difference between that and what you're releasing? So what will come out, so this is kind of like learn it, take the templates on your way. This will actually be a software. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of like iNutrition. Um, where you, It's like a nutrition version um, where you can have your clients log in and see what's going on and stuff. So it's just similar kind of premise, but more refined in terms of like, like everything's there. Your check-in's there, your programming's there. Um, your ability to manipulate the, the nutrition will be higher, uh, all of that type of stuff as well. So it'll be a, like a subscription page that a coach could sign up to and use that for their entire business. Um, whereas in the academy at the moment, you just get the raw file and you can apply it however you like. Awesome. Aaron, um, uh, my spreadsheets are nowhere near as com uh, complicated as theirs, honestly. It's but they don't have to be, right? Like you, uh, you might be more of a subjective guy. It's got similar data. Um, I just, I think the only difference I do is I actually have a, a genuine feedback form. So I actually ask them the questions about sleep and that sort of stuff versus just having them score it. And then I do a video check-in uh, Monday mornings with my clients. So I just send them a video using Loom, a yeah. couple of minutes, yeah. go through the sheets and just send Pretty them handy. Them. Yeah. yeah, this is where we did well. This is where we did crap. This is what I want you to fix. Got any questions, yell out. These guys will, well, these guys will know as well. Clients, uh, they're quite, uh, talkative <laughs> they're always messaging all day every day so it makes it a lot easier when it comes in when it comes to the check-in process um i already know most of the data i don't really need to, to do too much um if i wanted to i wouldn't even have to really record too much data because <laughs> they're telling me every day hmm. so i'm a lot more uh, interactive with my clients in that sense yeah and so, you go ahead uh so one other thing that i'll probably add to um Mine is similar to Jace, like he showed the questionnaire there. I tend to operate my coaching within a, a Facebook page. Um, I can share one because you can't see any of the data, just the name, so that's fine. Sure, awesome. Like a private group? Yeah, Yeah. so it's just me and the client. So shout out to Alyssa. Um, we won't oh, you create a that. group just for the client or a page? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah it's just me and the client individually. So this is their kind of template. 
you check in before this time. Um, but there's that reach model is designed with the intent of a little bit of self-coaching as well. And I think as coaches, we can all kind of agree that getting someone to take time out of their day and actually think about what's going on with their health, fitness, training, nutrition is really valuable. So these are kind of the questions that we go through. So they upload all of their videos and pictures for me to then look at. Um, did they get their workouts in? How was their performance? Anything in the program that's not working. So that allows me to make adjustments if I need to. Um, top sets. Uh, how have you been mentally? Uh, is there been anything that's been a struggle or anything like that? Uh, how would you rate your compliance out of 10? Anything that went well or was a struggle? Aches and pains. Um, what did you do well this week? Anything that you identify that needs improvement. So this is them basically do it going through that reach model by themselves to be able to set the standard for themselves the following week. Um, then the, the most, probably the most important one that I think most new PTs probably don't think to do and are probably a little bit scared of is do you have any questions or feedback in relation to your training or my coaching mm. services? Um, how often do you get them being honest like that? Cause people have to be vulnerable to be honest like that. Yeah. Like some clients do it really easily. Others, not so much. I still do every six to 12 months. I'll send out like a, uh, I guess a survey of what people think, which people tend to be a little bit more candid in. Um, but it, sometimes clients aren't willing to tell you that maybe they're unhappy with their results for some reason. Um, I, I had a client this week and it happens with me a lot because I train intermediate women who want to recomp um, or, or get leaner and build muscle is how they'll sort of say it. So it's like, cool, we can recomp because you haven't really trained that structured very much. And then about between six and 12 weeks in, scale weights up, their waist measurements down and they're freaking out because the scales are going up. So I'm sitting here looking at the data going, well, this person wants to look better and be leaner. And they're doing like, I'm kicking goals, man. Like uh, this particular client had put on three kilos in total and her waist was down three and a half centimeters over eight or nine weeks. I was like, fuck, this is absolutely perfect. She's like, oh, I want faster results in that, that comment. I was like, okay, but like, what, what do you mean by that? And what does that look like to you? Because what I'm seeing is fucking perfect. Um, so definitely being able to open that dialogue and give the client the opportunity to do it is really important. Uh, and then your demeanor and your conversations and stuff will create, <laughs> I don't want to say like the fluffy, like create a safe space, um, but, but create an environment for your client to be open and willing to give that information without you saying, nah, fuck you. The system's great. So if they can see you be vulnerable and be actually willing to change stuff yeah, for yeah. them, then they're going to be way more open to maybe saying, Hey, is don't really like how long these sessions take, or I don't like that you only program me four days a week, not five, um, or that I don't get to do ab crunches or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, if you're not doing that consistent checking in and honest questioning and trying to get feedback, then I think you're doing yourself and your clients and future clients a disservice. And so respect to all of you guys for finding a way to do that in your own. Um, Aaron, I wanted uh, to ask you and then for all of you, because you, you're quite active on social media, you spread your time across multiple jobs. Um, where do, how do you spend or where do you spend most of your time? And then for all of you, where do you see this 
crazy chaotic health and fitness industry going over the next decade? Uh, so <laughs> I work both at result-based training in Collingwood and then I also coach and help coach out at Apex in Coburg. Um, they're pretty close to where I live, so it makes it quite easy. Being part-time at result-based training makes it a bit easier for me to get across the Apex and coach um, just because the owner there, Anthony, was uh, prepping for pro role that didn't happen this year. So I was there helping him wrap his knees and that that sort of stuff and helping with his bench and his deadlifts. And then Ben had come in and we'd all train together. Um, half I and half. Once. I came once. <laughs> Jace came in once, saw that there was no preacher curl. There was only a couple Did of cables. Or plate loaded and, come out. and then I left. <laughs> There's no leg extension, leg curl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically just, yeah, between the two, uh, I probably spend more time at RBT. Uh, I can also do my work there, uh, my studying and all that sort of stuff and client check-ins and whatever I got to do. I would do it at home, but I do live at home with my dad and my dad's a pain in my ass. So if every time I'm trying to do something, he asks me to do something. I'm just like, mate, leave me alone. I'm trying to do work. So I figured I'm either going to be at RBT or at Apex. Take your pick. <laughs> Fair enough. And well, so I'll, I'll, I probably spin the most plates. So I do way too much face-to-face coaching because I still really, really enjoy it. I do uh, online coaching. We have our mentorship and we run our coaches academy. So between all of those things, and I'm a very, very bad bodybuilder at the same time. <laughs> so it's a very hard thing to uh, balance the shit. But I think like without it, without sounding real cheesy and shit, like this is like, I wouldn't do anything else. Like this is my shit. Like I love training. I love fitness. I love working out the inner workings of how things work. It's like, why does the body put on muscle? Why does it put on strength? How do I, how, how can I get a system out that's repetitive that I can look at trends and, and all that? How can I impart knowledge onto other people and just have really cool fucking conversations about training and business and how to set people up and all that. So it, I probably need to put my focus more into you know, other places. And I guess this pandemic's really shown me kind of where I need to move to. Um, but yeah, I just fucking love this shit, man. So I just like have my, all my toes and all my fingers in everything that I fucking can. He also loves asking very, very confusing questions. I missed one word, bro. <laughs> that was a fucking big chunk of a paragraph. <laughs> what are you talking about? important word out of all of them. But anyway, but yeah, that's it. And then the ability, yeah, like ask questions and shit. Like, yeah, I think, talking about that even though it's unrelated to what we're talking about now is like not being afraid to ask questions you know like we've been to places where we're, we've been asked all the fucking questions all of them and everyone's looking at us like are these guys going to be quiet and it's like well if i want to know something i'm not scared to not know it and to have like 20 30 other people you know maybe think that oh i can't he doesn't know that it's because if i don't ask it then i'm never going to know yeah. and it's like now i know and so i'm going to ask another question and evolve from there I think it's a really good lesson for young people. It's like, you don't need to be the smartest person. You don't need to know everything. Uh, if anything, you want to know a bit of stuff in a, in a room and then go to another room where you don't know stuff. Mm. And, you know, that's the beauty of becoming a better coach and a, you know, or a better athlete or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I guess in terms of where I spend my time, when people outside of the fitness industry ask me what I do, my answer is just I speak to various electrical devices about health and fitness and everything involved in that because <laughs> it's just easier. Because um, like Jay said, yeah, online coaching, mentorship, academy, podcast, 
uh, trying to write now, uh, social media. What else do we do? Yeah, mostly that. Workshops, webinars. Yeah, trying to be my own mediocre level powerlifter myself. Um, so yeah, training, all of that as well. So I think, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like the keyboard, the microphone and my phone. That's where I spend all of my time <laughs> to answer your question. But um, you, that's where a lot of change happens. That's where a lot of influence happens and good shit happens. Yeah. So in terms of where the fitness industry is heading, I think that's, mm. that's like a really exciting topic, I think, for, for me. Um, cause I'm just a nerd like that. And I like assessing that sort of shit. I think we're gonna see a very large drop off in personal trainers when gyms reopen. Really? Uh, going to be really interesting to see how that all work plays out in terms of contractual obligations, particularly in the big boxes and stuff like that. Uh, I heard a stat the other day that three out of 10 personal trainers have had zero contact with their clients since lockdown. What? So Where is me, this? What was the sample size on this? Do you know? Uh, I'd, I haven't seen the study or the, the poll or wherever it was taken. I just heard it out of context. So I don't know okay. if it's true. Um, I can't verify it. But if it is true, yeah. in my mind, there's 30% of personal trainers gone. Like if you've done that and expect to walk back to a business afterwards, like uh, I have grave concerns for you. Um, so I think a lot of people that were maybe in PT for the wrong reasons like the i liked sport in high school so i'll just be do pt because it's easy to get into and it's good money uh those people probably in a situation like this probably just got whacked with a whole heap more stress uh their time or dollar per minute probably just went up a lot more than what people would have expected um just with like adapting stuff and, and you have to give a client more value at the moment if you're offering a home sessions and all that type of stuff. So I think that will all play into um, some people. Uh, I, I'm not totally re um, buying into this, but some people are referring to it as a bit of a cleanse of the fitness industry. So those people that haven't formed good relationships that maybe don't have good systems um, that just show up with a whiteboard and train people and go home maybe they're not going to, they're going to be the ones that maybe don't return beyond that. I think what we've learned from this is having an online component of your business is really, really important. Actually having a business is really, really important. Like not just like, yeah, bro, just pay me some cash or transfer some money into my bank account. It's all good. Like people actually start looking at into hopefully client agreements, direct debits, and actually running a business well, rather than just training people um, that we'll learn from that. And then, yeah, the whole online idea, I think will only grow further from here. Yeah, I think, or I think I'm hoping education becomes a bit bigger for PTs too now going forward with like Orphic and whatnot, providing these sort of webinars and getting, you know, these younger PTs and coaches up more upskilled. Um, I think a lot of PTs, you know, once they do their what, is it a three day course these days, like, <laughs> you know, they, they do this course and then they're like, Oh yeah, I know everything. I'm ready to go train everyone. And it's kind of like, mate, chill out, <laughs> you know, start working in a, in a big gym and then start actually learning because you don't know when you just have life to hit you real fast. So I'm hoping in the next, you know, five to 10, 
education for PTs and coaches takes off a little bit more. Yeah, I guess to add on that, like the evolution of this online systems and training and all that probably increases the demand for a highly skilled, highly proficient face-to-face trainers because they can be the ones that aren't can be made redundant by a very good online training system very quickly. So hopefully, because, you know, I don't, I don't buy into this whole like online uh, face-to-face trainings dying and this and that. Cause it's like, wait till the gym's open in a month and till the economy starts kicking back. It's like face-to-face ain't dead. Right. What, what needs to happen though is, you know, technical proficiency, programming, communication, attention, how you run your business, all that stuff needs to rise to a standard because you need to be in that face-to-face setting serving what you're supposed to be doing there. Um, so the demand is going to be a little bit higher. And the ones that survive at the moment are probably a little more technically proficient, good communicators, you know, all those things that we should be um, as, as coaches in the face-to-face setting. Yeah. Jason and I have been pretty vocal in, even in the last couple of days just about <clears throat> a lot of PTs may have been found out a little bit um, with the shutdowns, like the whole, well, you can't make progress because you don't have load. Um, just do cardio, bro. And when you come back, you'll be fine. Um, and we've got the case studies to prove otherwise. Like that, the girl I talked about just before had no equipment. Um, she got a barbell, I think, a week ago and gained muscle mass, got leaner. So it's like, okay, so if you in that first week went, no, no, we can't make progress. We'll just entertain you for the next five to seven weeks. It's like, "Mm." Uh, hopefully those trainers are kind of self-aware enough to go, okay, maybe I need to understand um, human physiology a little bit better and training and programming and nutrition to then be a better coach, which will make everyone better in the gym as well. When it's like, okay, what other variables are there other than putting weight on a butt? There's many, right? There's taking, uh, is adjusting uh, load away from center of mass. There is understanding biomechanics and levers. So what happens when we change it from a class three to a class two? Um, and how does that change leverages? And this understanding that is super important because you then realize there are so many as tempo. There's going to unilateral training. There's a whole bunch of calisthenic training that you can do. And so understanding this makes you a higher quality, more proficient professional and that, I mean, Aaron, you brought it up before you mentioned Orthic and that's what we do and being trying to be, you know, the best educated in, in educators in this country for the Cert 3 and 4. Um, so we can teach all those fundamental principles that Jason and Ben, you guys were talking about. Um, and I know this kind of leads in pretty well, but uh, we, we know you guys at STC, you guys worked with a, a previous fitness educator that we won't, won't name names um, in the past. Uh, but I don't know when you guys open up your new facility though, you guys are going to be partnering with Orphic. Um, what prompted that change? And please don't sugarcoat or, or like, you know, just because I'm here or we're here and hosting this, please, please be honest and like give us necessary criticism if needed, but why, yeah. Why, why did you decide to execute that collaboration? So um, I think the, the, the number one thing for us and it's kind of like how we run our business in general, how we run the podcast, um, the people that we hang around in our inner circle and stuff is like what Orphic represents aligns with like what we represent as well. And it's like, 
you know, helping facilitate those million positive outcomes in fitness. Uh, that's kind of what STC's fit. That's STC fits mission. So within the Orphic education system that, you know, I had a look at, um, it allows, like it goes over what a trainer needs to know in, you know, a sufficient amount of detail. Um, and it's more detail than I've seen in others. And it also allows for a little bit of flexibility for us to express, you know, a little bit of our own experience, you know, within the boundaries of the principles, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the principles are the principles. You can't change those, but what you can do is put your own, you know, little taste of your experience and, and, and your message and that within that. So the other thing that I like a lot is just like, you know, this is what you need to do to get there. I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be done in six weeks. It's going to take fucking 52 if it needs to, or it's going to take 26, you know? And I think that's important. You know, I took the long way around my education and it took four years to get you know, certified through university and all that. But it's like, at the end of the day, if my PT certification said I needed to do four years, I would have done. It's like, that's what I need to do. Then that's what I need to do. You know, I think that people need to get into that mindset. It's like, stop trying to do the least you know, if you want to be the best, wouldn't you want to do as much as possible and be as comprehensively? But the people you know, tr- are trying to do the least aren't trying to be the best usually, unless they're correct. lying to themselves, you know? Correct. So if you want to be the best, then you go to the best. And, you know, that's essentially what we're going to be putting together is like we can, you know, align ourselves and our education and what we believe to, you know, that coincides with like those principles and what you guys set up with the cert three and four content, which is exceptional. If we put those two things together, you know, I'm a hundred percent confident that that is going to be, you know, top one percent in this industry. That's it. In terms of delivering education, and that's why we did it. It's like a partner with someone who's going to sing the same song as you, because now we're just going to sing it louder and sing it even better and show you how. Yeah. Oh, how, I, mean, how, I can't, how, I can't sing, but I can show you guys <laughs> how to fucking become good PTs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ben, you got anything you want to say on that? Uh, like one thing that stands out to me on top of everything that Jason said is like, even um, all guys, all of you guys that are involved in Orphic all train and you all coach. It's like we've, we've had guys come in that are like, it's a sales role that their job is to sell a course. There's no, like Jay said, our, <clears throat> our vision, well, our mission for our business is to achieve 1 million positive outcomes. Um, by the year 2030. So it's like, we need to train a lot of people, but we probably can't train a million people, but we can work with other coaches through the Academy, through the podcast, through a high quality product like Orphic, um, where everyone's in that same vision of it's about the outcome. It's not about whether it's the financial exchange or the numbers or the ego or whatever it is on the way through. It's about creating positive outcomes for people. So you want to, everything that I've seen that's come out of Orphic is like, you want to create the best coaches and you feel like if you create the best coaches, then you will have a good business on the back of that. It's no different to personal training. It's like, if you get lots of really good results, you'll be busy. Then you just need the business structure to facilitate it rather than like just focusing on sales, sales and delivering a shit product and having to be in a sales job all the time because people only stay for 12 weeks. It's the same kind of premise. And like Jay said, it aligns with our values and I guess where we want to head in the industry. Well said. All right, boys, I want to be respectful of all your time. Um, But let's finish off with, you know, all of you train, all of you lift. 
But the real question is, you know, who's the strongest? Who lifts the most out of the three of you? Are we talking, I've been, I've are been we talking volume that. load or are we talking <laughs> weight shifted over a week? Mm, <laughs> are we talking relative, absolute strength? Yeah, because if, if it's absolute... No weight classes in the jungle, buddy. I hear <laughs> that. If we're expressing strength, I'm out. <laughs> so I, I have a little low-key, hopefully a win here, but I'm not sure. But I'm not sure what... I know Aaron's stronger than me. But I feel like if you search our names on openpowerlifting.com, my total will be better. Mm, <laughs> interesting. So the data says... <laughs> we're all about data, on, you know, as we've talked yeah, about. we've been talking about it. We can't back out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you can bear actually actual PBs, then yeah, Aaron's got me. But no <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you, you guys show that you don't just uh, talk the talk, but you walk the walk. And I think it's, uh, it's important um, to represent uh, excellence in your own way in this industry as a trainer, as a coach, uh, because that's the standard that we should all follow and, and uh, hold ourselves to if we're going to hold our clients and the people we talk to to a high standard to. We have to be that change. At least that's what I believe. Um, and I'm getting head nods, so I think you guys agree in some way at least. But to finish off, do you guys have any last parting thoughts, comments, um, questions before we head off? No, I'm good. I'm good. We, we've, uh, I'm good. I've said a we'll, lot. We'll uh, clear <laughs> up the debate and maybe I'll challenge Aaron in a race to a 300 kilo deadlift. Wow. <sighs> Let me have some more weight on again. Fire up. <laughs> what do you, what do you wait? What are you guys waiting in right now? Uh, I'm sitting at 91. Yeah. 94. 94, but I'm not racing the 300. <laughs> Maybe 300 kilos body weight. No, no. <laughs> Aaron, what do you make? I came in at 98 this morning. Okay. Oof. Oh, so we're all in the 90s. Jeez, I don't think we have we all been in the 90s together? No, I think it's, yeah, because you were over 100 at one uh, before you went away. Yeah. I've got six or seven have kilos. Look at us. Have a look at us. There you go. Um, guys, where can, where can people find you if they want to find out more? Where do you want to direct people to um, or ask anything of anybody watching? Ben, you're the guy. Where's, uh, the spiel? Where's your podcast spiel, mate? Yeah. So for us, <laughs> uh, at STC Fit for online coaching and all of that jazz. And where are you based? People, for the people who don't know, what's the location and potential location? Uh, that'll be out in Point Cook, the gym. Mm. Yep. Um, so Jace is still PTing and a few of our other guys are out there at the moment. Mm. Uh, I'm fully online, so you won't find me anywhere. You can come and see me at Apex if you want. We right. can have a session soon, together. Soon at Point Cook though. Yeah. You'll be there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to find us at STC Fit on the Instagram, at STC Fit underscore learning uh, for probably the people that are watching this will be more interested in that. It's our education platform. Uh, at Ben Scott STC for myself, at Jason Galea underscore STC for Jason, at Elite Strength Coach, I think. That's not usually part of my spiel. I think I got it right. Ah, uh, for Aaron. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> That's it. There you go. Awesome. Well rehearsed that one. Guys, uh, I really enjoyed this. You guys uh, aren't just, uh, you know, standout professionals, but you guys all um, sound like, you know, great guys with great characters uh, who are considerate, kind, and uh, really care about improving this industry and yourselves as professionals. So much respect to all of you. And I look forward to meeting you all one day in person. Um, so thank you for doing this as well. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so yeah, it's been great. Thank you for your time. Of yeah. course. Awesome. I'll see you later, guys.
Thanks, man. Thank you again. Cheers. Bye. All right, guys. That was it. Orphic webinar Wednesday number four done. Next week, we got a big guest. I'm going to announce it here. Mick Hughes, which we're really excited to do. Um, if you don't know Mick Hughes, look him up. He's one of Victoria's best physiotherapist, allied health professionals. And we're also, and I probably shouldn't be launching this now, but just to show you guys, uh, if you want to stay up to date on where we're at with these webinar Wednesdays, it is going to be held every Wednesday, 10 a.m. live stream on Facebook, all available on YouTube. And you're going to see now that they'll be on Spotify as well. You'll be able to listen to them uh, on your podcasting platforms. And they should be on all podcasting platforms over the coming week. So stay tuned for that every Wednesday. So stay tuned. And when you guys go to this Orphic Education webinar Wednesday, you guys are going to see the upcoming schedule. So that'll be all there. And if you want to stay up to date, just input your name and email there. And then you can see our past podcasts here, which will be on our YouTube, Orphic Education. That's, uh, that's the first one we did, which was unbelievable. So go check that one out too. That's the Coaches Roundtable with uh, some incredible coaches. So thank you guys. And if you guys don't know, uh, Orphic Education offer, we're education leaders and we offer Cert uh, 3 and 4 in fitness. And that is why we're priding ourselves on trying to not just deliver the Cert 3 and 4, but also deliver the education behind it um, through these weekly webinars and through constant um, free content on our social media. So we're super excited to keep doing this. I know I am like, it's such a, I'm such a, in a fortunate position to be able to conduct and modulate these conversations. And if you guys got any questions for future conversations, then put them in the comments of the live streams or any future uh, posts that we do. And if you want to stay tuned to all of these future live streams and weekly webinars on Wednesday, then you can just follow Orphic on Facebook or Instagram and join the email newsletter and we'll let you know as soon as we're holding these amazing free webinars. So thank you guys for watching and I'll see you in the next one. And I'm, I'm Alexander, by the way, just in case, because I think uh, my name is an Orphic Education. It's Alexander. And I'll see you guys in the next one.